you're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. Welcome to episode nine of the Big House Bleachers Podcast. It's a very, very special amazing wonderful feeling version of this podcast because all of our dreams came true i'm with uh matt hartwell my usual sidekick matt i'm not even gonna ask you how you're feeling this week i already know how you're feeling but uh what's up man ah gosh dude uh you didn't ask but i'll tell you i'm just feeling on top of the world if anybody follows me on Twitter, you know that I've been a complete ass over the last 24 hours. Just, uh, But I mean, it's everything that Michigan fans have waited for. You know what I mean? To not only uh, beat Ohio State last year, but to be able to do it two years in a row in any type of weather condition that you can imagine. Uh, our house, their house, doesn't matter. The road through the Big Ten goes through Ann Arbor now. Yeah. Yeah, we run the Big Ten. There's no way around it. Michigan 45, Ohio State 23. That's the score on the scoreboard. But, of course, there's a story to every game, and we're going to get into that story. Uh, but first, let's hand out some game balls. We're, we're going to give out three game balls each um, for this very impressive, amazing victory. Um, I'll let you do the honors and and uh, start 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 us off here. What is your first game ball? So, Mike, my first uh, game ball upon initial analysis of this game, uh, it's got to go to Mike Sainer still. You know, the captain uh, making the play to just kind of lull. You know, because for a while there, I think we can both agree that there wasn't a huge. Uh, a huge momentum for for either team, you know what I mean? At least for uh, for at least a half there, and in in the uh, the second half, Mike Sainer still was one of those defensive uh, captains to step up and make that um, bat away uh, in the end zone against Stover to just kind of extinguish Ohio State's touchdown hopes in that moment. So. Elite play by the captain there, deserving of a game ball for Mike Sainer still. Absolutely. And Mike Sainer still is going to get my... This guy right here, and this guy right here! This guy right here for this week. That's an excellent pick. I'm a little irritated that you picked him because he was right right up there near the top of mine. But I'm going to go ahead and move on to my uh, first game ball. And since you took the obvious defensive answer, I'm going to take the obvious offensive answer. J.J. McCarthy, you get a game ball. Um, I'll be short and sweet because I'm sure we're going to talk about him a little bit later in the show, but we finally got to see the J.J. McCarthy that we've been fiending all year. We knew it was there, uh, and sure enough, he comes out in the 12th game, the most important game against our arch rivals, the Ohio State Buckeyes. J.J. McCarthy, you get a game ball. Just an elite uh, pick and uh, performance by him. I mean, five-star athlete right there. I don't know if there was any extent that they were covering that guy up uh, for the season in terms of what he could do or just letting him have his way with with uh, the play 
plays there, but he made some incredible, uh, incredible decisions in that game. And uh, kudos to him. Thank you, JJ. For my uh, next game ball, um, I mean, I just I hate always going offense, Mike. I know that offense is just the obvious pick, and there are so many defensive superstars. I'm sure that you're going to take one um, that I want to take after this, but I've got to go offense as well. Donovan Edwards, the pirate, uh, one-handed, you know what I mean? Just uh, in the absence of Blake Corum, no less. Uh, we needed a huge, at first, I just couldn't believe they were leaving Donovan in for as long as they were. Looked like he was taking a lot of licks, um, but he just broke through in that second half to uh, to lead a triumphant rushing performance uh, with two touchdowns, um, just a, a shit ton of yards. Uh, it was just amazing to see from him. So game ball for Donovan Edwards, no doubt. A well-deserved game ball for Donovan Edwards. He did it with one hand. Moving to the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to pick a guy that used both of his hands on the defensive side of the ball. And we were excited to see what, what he could do at the beginning of the year. He had a very, very tumultuous season thus far. Um, Braden McGregor, you get a game ball for me. And, I, and to me, that's a, a little bit of a less obvious game ball. But he was all over the place in the backfield, and he had two deflected passes that could have gone for touchdowns. Both of them could have gone for touchdowns in big moments of the game. So uh, I'm excited to give Braden McGregor a game ball. That's uh, an elite pick as well, Mike. For my third game ball, I'm going to go with Mike Barrett. You know, he was just... I can't say enough things first and foremost about Mike Barrett and his transformation from a guy that was just kind of uh, second fiddle in this defense. If I'm, you know, not cutting any corners here, but um, you know, you know, weren't really sure what he was going to be entering his senior season. And he has showed up as a leader of this ball club. And, you know, a big way that we've been blown out in these prior matchups with Ohio state is their ability to get into that second layer and just carve us up. You know what I mean? In the open field following that, Mike Barrett uh, made some elite stops, I think double-digit tackles on yesterday, but a huge hit also. Um, um, but we were we were just doing so many things right, and Mike Barrett was a big part of that. So game ball for Mike Barrett. Excellent pick, excellent pick. So for my last game ball, I really want to give give it to the, a member of the coaching staff, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to I'm going to channel my inner Harbaugh and and keep the players on the forefront of our minds. Um, Cornelius Johnson, another one of those players that has had all the promise in the world and has really underperformed. I mean, he's been a really good player on our team for the past several years. You know, few years. Um, but he always seemed like he was going to be that next man up, you know, number one wide receiver and never really emerged. But um, in the biggest stage against Ohio State, he he outplayed Marvin Harrison Jr., which many believe to be the best wide receiver in the entire country. Uh, he broke two, you know, long touchdowns that blew the game wide open in the first half. Uh, Cornelius Johnson gets my final game ball. I mean, I mean, hell, dude, you know, we could give a game ball to every guy on the team for this one. I mean, it, 
it was absolutely incre incredible. So let's move on to kind of the narratives of the game and what it means for Michigan football. Uh, the first thing to note is coming into this game, there was one thing on everybody's mind. And if you're a Michigan fan and you say this isn't what you were thinking about, you're a damn liar. We all wanted to know, is Blake Corum going to play? Because we all knew that that was the key to winning this game was a healthy Blake Corum. Ohio State comes out. They got the ball first. They score basically an easy seven, right? Like they just chopped us up. They score an easy seven. It's our turn to respond. Blake Corum gets two carries for minimal yardage. He misses what looks like would have been one of his classic cuts. Like it was one he probably could have gone for 40 on. And, and then you see him get up a little limpy, a little gimpy. He, he, he stumbles to the sideline and we all, we all just look and we're like, he can't go. Like, they're like this is not the Blake Corum that we know. Um, he, he can't run right now. And so our Heisman hopeful star running back goes out in the first series. We're down seven to nothing. Uh, I got to ask you, Matt, what were you thinking at that moment of the game? Well, you know, uh, my biggest thought in that moment, I thought Michigan was going to lose, Mike. You know, if I'm being totally honest, and there's really – as a Michigan fan that is familiar with the program that's followed it for many, many years, who's been in this situation more times than we can count. We all looked at each other after that first drive. You know, I was in a, a sports bar here in Orlando where it was just a, a raucous Michigan environment, you know, and it, you could hear a pin drop in that place. And, uh, and it was packed, you know, with Michigan fans. So I didn't have high hopes. The odds were certainly stacked against us. And honestly, Michigan had every excuse to go out and lose this football game today. You know, uh, just like anyone that follows me on Twitter, that I do a score prediction every week. And a lot of Michigan fans saying Michigan was going to lose this game, a high percentage of them, in fact. And uh yeah, and that was before Blake Corum even like went down with that knee injury. So I didn't have high hopes. I wouldn't have like hated if they I wouldn't have hated the team if they would have lost the game. You know what I mean? Uh, but they put the whooping on their that ass. But <laughs> that's just yeah, what so, I was thinking. So here's where my mind was at for basically the first two and a half quarters. Right. Um, I actually had a healthier mindset than I do in most Michigan games like I am very susceptible to just spiraling and going into a full-blown mental health crisis I was I was thinking about this from a kind of a long-term college football playoff perspective I was like you know what Ohio State's really good everybody knows they're really good we want to beat them I mean that's that's all we want every season is to beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten like those are our goals but then I, I kind of shifted gears. I'm like, Corum's out. I know that the committee is supposed to take into consideration if a star player is hurt. They've done that in the past, usually with quarterbacks, right? Like if Bryce Young goes down for Bama and they drop a game, the committee is supposed to be like, well, if Bryce Young's back healthy, then it's a different team. So, so I'm thinking like th this gives us a little bit of a w like wiggle room, right? If we, if we don't look terrible and our Heisman hopeful running back is out, Perhaps the committee gives us the benefit of the doubt and still puts us in. And so I shifted my mindset to, we got to stay close. We got to score some points. 
and we got to stay close. And so we got back down the field. Jake Moody <clears throat> hits a hits a field goal. It's seven to three. Like, okay, I'm thinking points were there. Ohio State goes down, and then the defense steps up, gets a stop, holds them to a field goal. Now it's ten to three. I, I can't remember if it was ten to three at the end of the first quarter or if that first Cornelius Johnson touchdown happened in the first or not. But anyway, it was it was like ten to three right around the end of the first. And and then um Everything started to shift at that point, right? Uh, Cornelius Johnson catches a pass from JJ, breaks a tackle, busts a long run. All of a sudden, it's 10 to 10. Like, now we're cooking. Now we're in this game. We've got life. Anything can happen at this point, right? Like, anything can happen. And sure enough, uh, JJ finds him again for a touchdown. You know, we're going back and forth. We're exchanging blows. At halftime, it's 20 to 17, right? Because uh, uh, CJ Stroud hits Marvin Harrison Jr. for that that uh, that one long pass, which, by the way, I was watching that. We we brought a safety blitz from way, like like 20 yards deep on the field. Like I, There was no way that safety was going to get there. And, and, and it left Marvin Harrison Jr. wide open. And I'm sitting there like, ah, oh, I hate that. I hated that call. Uh, bring the safety from the other side. Don't bring it from Marvin Harrison's side. So anyway, Ohio State scores. Uh, it's 20 to 17 at the half. And at halftime, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm actually feeling pretty good. We're on the road at Columbus. We're down three. JJ's thrown two long touchdown passes. Um, I'm a little concerned because we can't run. We like... Ohio State, Ryan Day's whole game plan, which was which was a good game plan, was to bring the linebackers up, bring the safeties up, stop the run. They were doing it in the first half. Uh, if you can go back to about halftime, where where are you? Where are you at? Twenty to seventeen, uh, seventeen halftime. What, where's your head at at that point? So at about halftime. I honestly felt really good uh, going into halftime. My thoughts had shifted very much from that those first couple series where Blake Corum went down and Ohio State sliced us up in the first drive. Uh, I had shifted after the Cornelius Johnson uh, touchdown catch. I was feeling a lot better at that point. And to me, uh, the game just had a very like eerily similar vibe to uh, to last year. You know what I mean? The score ended up being very similar, but at, even at halftime and through that middle part of the game, uh, you could just kind of feel that same energy and that same mojo. Like they weren't playing pump it up at that sports bar that I was at. But it almost like I could hear pump it up in my head. Like, don't you know, pump it up like I could just feel that Michigan momentum building a little bit and we're a second half team. So I didn't have, I had, didn't have any doubts that it would at least be a close one down to the wire at that point. Yeah. I mean, I agree completely. Like the way that we got there looked very different, right? Like the personality of these two games were very different. You got the weather game where we're just running it down their throat. And then you've got this game where we've got a couple um, long passes where I'm sure the Buckeyes were feeling like, oh my gosh, we're controlling them. And then we gave up these two like fluky passes, right? But I think Michigan fans started to realize like these aren't flukes. This, this is this is what we've seen all year that we've been so close on, right? Like we've had guys open down the field and we've been so close 
and JJ's missed them or we've had some drops. And and sure enough, in this game, we started to hit them. And I, I think uh, it, it breathed life back into the Michigan players, the coaches, the fan base. And I agree with you completely. I, I was uh, getting very similar vibes to the previous season where it was like, you know what? Like, we can beat these guys. We can actually do this. And And then coming out in the third quarter, my favorite, well, no, that's not my favorite play of the whole game. My favorite play of the whole game is Mike Sainer still, uh, you know, swatting that ball uh, in the fourth quarter. I mean, just an amazing defensive play. And I, I, actually, about five minutes before we started recording, I saw a Blue by 90 post where they posted um, where Mike Sainer still started on that play. I didn't even realize he started on the previous, ha- or the, the opposite hash on the complete other side of the field. Um, anyway, I digress. My, so coming out in the third it's quarter. It's almost though, it, it is literally though, almost as if he's like stopped time in that moment. I just have to say, and like yeah. slid up in there, like the way that he slid up in between his hands and just like knocked it out. I, it was like he's stopped time or something. It was crazy to watch. I, I can't even believe it. A thousand percent. I'm I'm so excited to talk about that play. I kind of got ahead of myself in the timeline of the game here, but one one of my two or three favorite plays, um, was kind of slept on. It happened so fast that we didn't even have a have time to process it. Michigan comes out down twenty to seventeen in the third quarter, and it's third. You know, at fourth and one, on the our own thirty yard line. I mean that's a punt. You got to punt the ball. You can't like you can't you can't give Ohio State the ball up three on our own thirty yard line to start the second half. What is what does Harbaugh do and what does the team do? We don't waste any time. Immediately when we when we come up short on that third down, he he runs Donovan Edwards with one hand up the gut, picks up the first down. And it changes the entire trajectory of the game because then we we go down there and it's I, I believe that's the drive that set up the Colston Loveland bomb. Uh, that and then we went up twenty four to twenty at that point. Um, just absolutely just ballsy move like Harbaugh, his whole game plan like he was playing to win this game. He was he was playing absolutely fearless, and I love that call. I just have to say my favorite personal personal favorite play of the game was uh, Khalil Mullings. Oh, my gosh. Like, that was just coaching masterclass by Jim Harbaugh because, first of all, he was sure to get Mullings in there earlier in the game for a uh, attempted fullback-type uh, maneuver up the middle. And uh, the whole fan base is like, what are you doing? That's stupid. That's ridiculous. He tries it again. It is so believable that that Jim Harbaugh is going to run this guy, this linebacker up the middle in Michigan versus Ohio State, only for him to stop short and deliver uh, that pass, which was a little sloppy, but it got there. And that was just so ballsy of Jim Harbaugh to uh, – to do something that we haven't seen all year, so unlike Jim Harbaugh, uh, to to do something like that, that um, it was just uh, it's got to be one of my favorite takeaways from the game. I here here's what I think. I think he was setting that play up 
against Ohio State all year long. I think he's been thinking about that play since the preseason. And and he cuz he knows he he knows like we're going to we're going to run the ball just a ridiculous amount of times between uh, behind this amazing offensive line. And then you know, as I'm thinking about it right now, that was probably supposed to be Donovan Edwards making that throw. You know what I mean? I, I th- that was probably a Donovan Edwards play because Cor- that Cor- is probably correct. Because Corum it, it was going to be the number one guy just killing him. He was probably waiting on a fourth and one where they absolutely needed it, and he was going to have Donovan fake like he's running up the gut and and throw it downfield to the tight end or some you know who somebody that breaks leg. I'm sure he was scheming that up. And then what happens? Uh, Corum's out. Donovan Edwards had literally has one hand. He uh, he's not going to throw the ball with a cast on his hand. And so you know what does he do? He brings in a linebacker, a backup linebacker, and uh, runs the play anyway. And and man, that that throw, I mean, it was not a good. Props throw. to uh, to Schoon, by the way, yeah, for, for backing up a little bit and still making the catch, even though the guy was hot on his pursuit. You know, Schoon still reeled it in. Uh, it was just uh, that got me hyped, man. That yeah, was all of it. That that ball had the trajectory of a of a Steph Curry three pointer, dude. That was not that was not a good throw. It went way up in the air. But you know, I I didn't even doubt it when I saw that, and it was in the air. I was like, this is a catch. This is, it, it, because of what you just referenced. There, like belief was in the air. Like like everybody just believed. Like holy shit, we're gonna beat him again. We're we're you know we're playing fearless. We're killing it. So yeah, Harbaugh's going for it in his own territory and picking it up. We got trick plays, and then, you know, the game is still within reach. And then what happens? Michigan just settles right into their identity, right? That a couple good blocks, and then Donovan Edwards runs for two long touchdowns and just puts the game out of reach. Uh, you know, and and and. It, yeah, Ohio State sold out to stop the run, and they and they did really well in the first half. And and uh, Urban Meyer, you know, was saying there's no doubt that these, you know, Ohio State will stop the run. And he was probably feeling pretty good about himself for about a quarter and a half. Um, but Michigan settled right into their identity and proved that no matter who you are, we can still line up late in the game and run the ball down your throat and win the game. So. Um, I mean, there's so much more to talk about, but I think we really hit hit the highlights. Is there? I mean, let me just give you a moment to to just share, you know, your experience or any any highlights of the game for, that that stood out to you. I mean, it was just absolutely amazing, wasn't it? It just, it really was, Mike. And you can't say enough good things about it. It was a total team effort. I've, like you said at the beginning of the show, if I could give a game ball to literally everybody on the team. I would, because you can point out a specific moment for everyone. Makari Page getting an interception. You know what I mean? Like uh, Kaleo Mullings with with that, with the pass to uh, to Schoonmaker. You know what I mean? So just every layer of this Michigan team showed out yesterday and had a moment, whether it be Mike Sainer still swiping that pass out, Mike Barrett making his big hits that he was making, uh, so everyone had a moment and like it was it just felt like last year, you know, everyone had that moment, except we did it 
in their house in more dominant fashion and we crushed their spirits. I mean, it was just a beautiful sight to see. Well, and this was the final domino in the the changing of the guard, right? Because the narrative was like Harbaugh's on the hot seat. He can't beat his rivals. He can't win road games. He can't he can't win top ten games. And at last year, we systematically started to knock out every single one of those narratives and was like, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. And we, and we kind of reemerged as this prominent college football program. But everybody, and, and Michigan fans included, everybody had that little bit of feeling is like, this could be a one-hit wonder, right? Like, this could be a one-hit wonder, and then we, we settle back into the 9-3 and three, like teams, or, but, and then the Ohio State's 12-0 and 0 playing for the playoffs. And this was the moment where Michigan shifted the entire culture of the program. Uh, We rewrote the history books. We are now uh, literally on top of college football, not just the Big Ten. We are on top of college football. You can make an argument that Michigan should be the number one team in the country. A damn good argument. Uh, we, We might see them come in at number two, but you can make a damn good argument that we're the number one team in the country. And this is as high as we have been as a program since Charles Woodson and that amazing 1997 team. I mean, it is great to be a Michigan Wolverine, is it not? I mean, it just it is so great to be a Michigan Wolverine. And it is literally like it's just crazy for me to just for for me to take that game in yesterday. It just felt I still feel like it's just surreal. Like it isn't even real. Um and uh it's it's been a long time coming, man. You know, a lot of us from our generation grew up in that uh, Rich Rod uh, era. You know what I mean? Like we had to endure that in the prime years of our college football uh, fandom as youngsters. You know what I mean? So uh, it's just been beautiful to be a part of the ride. You know what I mean? We love our Wolverines regardless if they would have lost that game or not yesterday. I was pretty content on uh, on this season, no matter what happened. And they only proved to me even more that this is one of the greatest Michigan teams to grace the field in a long, long time. Yeah, and just shout out to everybody, the, the real fans that watched the games all the way to the end when we were three and nine with Rich Rod and five and seven with Rich Rod. And then we had those Brady Hope teams that, we're just not really not that good. And um, shout out to all the fans that that stayed true, watched the games all the way to the end because man, it was miserable. I mean, as as one of the people that that did that and was there, uh, you know, I, I'm just old enough to remember '95, '96, '97, '98 when you know Michigan was winning uh, the Big Ten, and and then the Mike Hart and Braylon Edwards years were still still really solid years of Michigan football. And then there was that when Lloyd Carr retired and we dropped off a cliff. I mean, those were some hard years. And and as a diehard Michigan fan to get back to the to prominence. And then you could make an argument that even saying back to prominence is is not even an accurate statement now because we're moving into uncharted territory. Like we're moving into like fielding Yoast numbers at the turn of like the 1900s, right? And that's when football was a different game. Like dudes were wearing 
leather helmets and shit. Like we're now moving into this is this is the best two year stretch Michigan uh, winning wise has ever had. Right. Because they didn't used to play as many games. And so now like we're playing with house money. We're one game away from this being the winningest Michigan football team ever. Um, I might have to check my facts on that, but I, I'm pretty sure there's never been a 13 win Michigan team. And I mean, it's just, I, and when you look at the landscape of the playoff this year, and I don't even like, I, I'm not trying to get too ahead of myself. I know we've got the game against Purdue, the giant killer. Uh, I don't, I'm not sleeping on that game, but I think that they're going to, they're going to blow them out. Uh, just realistically Purdue's, uh, come very close to some sketchy losses this year. Um, and they they just don't have a great, uh, schedule backing them up. I mean, they had, they got in on some big 10 West craziness as the big 10 West champ often does. I think Michigan will handle them easily. I think Michigan handles TCU easily. If that ends up being their, their opponent, you know what I mean? And I think, I think this Michigan team ends up in, at the very least, the national championship. I don't see anyone that can keep up with this team style of ball. I don't see any team that has the same mental makeup that uh, that this team has. That's been a word you've heard tossed around a lot. These guys are winners. You know what I mean? And it's carried over from last year. They're hungry. They want you saw Donovan Edwards, J.J. McCarthy, Andrell Anthony, Mike Morris, Blake Corum on the sideline after the Orange Bowl. Those guys are hungry. They are not fucking around. They want a piece of that pie. And uh, I think the Wolverines definitely deserve to be ranked number one. And I think that they're going to get their way into the biggest game of the, uh, the college football year. Do you think the committee will rank them number one? No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm the same they way. They won't give them the respect they deserve. I'm interested to see um and we're we're gonna talk about the the college football playoff picture here when we look around the country, but I I'm interested to see the AP poll come out when you when you, when you can see the the breakdown of the votes. Cause you know Michigan's gonna have at least a handful of number one votes. I'm wondering if they can get more than Georgia at this point, because I think the consensus is that Ohio State is a better win than Georgia has on their resume, than anybody has on their resume at this point. And then, then you look at like, okay, Georgia's best win right now is Tennessee. Well, Penn State looks like, you know, depending on how you measure that, Penn State could be a better win than Tennessee. So you could make the argument that Michigan has two wins that, that are better than Georgia's best win. Um, so again, I'm biased. I'm a Michigan fan, but, but to me, that makes sense. I, I, you know, I'm just, I think the AP will give us um, some insight into how the committee is going to, is going to view it. Because if, if, if we see 30, 40, 50% of the uh, number one votes going to Michigan, then there's a very real realistic chance that the committee is considering that as well. So that'll be interesting and uh, interesting to see. Uh, let's, you know, I, we could talk for hours about you and I were texting uh, yesterday. Like we could just go, we could have a three hour show today just talking about the significance of this game. But um, let's move on to to the our what's the deal segment. Now this gives us an opportunity to ask what's the deal. 
Um, it's pretty self-explanatory, right? We, we get a chance to just look around Michigan football, college football, sports in general, and just say, like, what's the, what's the damn deal with this situation? Um, I'll let you uh, do the honors and lead us off. Uh, what you got for us this week? Well, Mike, I want to know, and uh, I'll start with, um, we'll, we'll just keep it Michigan related for this first one, but what's the deal with Ryan Day not being able to beat Jim Harbaugh? What's the deal? Man, I'm going to have to, uh, I can't believe this. We got to start comparing notes or something, man, because I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to, I'm going to share with you what my, what's the deal is. Uh, and just, this will just show everybody kind of how on the same page we are. My first, what's the deal is to Ryan day. And, and it's, we saw, we saw Jim Harbaugh go for it on fourth down in his own territory on the 30, pick it up and play to win the game. Ryan Day was playing not to lose. And I think all the Ohio State fans out there know that. He was not playing to win that game. He, he, he gift-wrapped that game to us because there was, a, there was a time when it was like third and long and then C.J. Stroud uh, picked up a pass play that made it fourth and short in our territory, right? And this was like in the third quarter. And Ryan Day punted the ball. Right, it was like fourth and short and plus territory, and Ryan Day punted it to us. And then later in the game, um, there was like eleven minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they were kind of backed up, and we were we were up eleven points. And it, you know, it was pretty much like if you give the if you give us the ball back with the momentum we have, it's it's very unlikely that you're going to see this ball back in the next like five minutes without it without Michigan. You know, Michigan's either going to get points on the board or they're going to drain five or six minutes off the clock. And what did Ryan Day do? He punted the ball. So Ryan Day, what's the deal, man? Are you scared? Are you scared? Because you look scared. You look scared to me. <laughs> I almost think he was scared. I mean, like, I really thought he was scared of us yesterday. And uh, and the look of, of fright and how distraught he was on the sideline, I mean... It was just a, a thing of beauty, you know. The Ohio State fans just, uh, just they've been totally absent from social media. I don't know where they are. I saved several receipts for you guys, and uh, you haven't returned any of my messages or uh, or comments. So, <laughs> what's the deal with you guys? Also, you know. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's our show for this week. Thank you for tuning in to the Big House Bleachers podcast. Michigan moves to 12-0 for the first time since 1997. We'll be back next week to discuss the Big Ten Championship game against Purdue and, of course, the college football playoff implications. As always, Go Blue!